He still speaks today. The title of the message today is Two Realities of the Birth of Christ. Now, there, there are a lot of things that, that we can and have taken away from these passages in the Scripture. There are a lot of points here. However, there are only two things that we're going to look at today. Number one, the willingness of an individual to submit to God's will. And number two, that God is close to those that are seen as the powerless and the forgotten in this world. If you have your Bibles, please turn to the book of Luke. Now, as you're doing that, I'm going to tell you a little story. One day, God the Father called the devil and his son before him. And there were two computers. And he said, y'all are going to have a contest. And the devil said, I'm going to win that contest. He didn't even know what the contest was yet, but he said, I'm going to win it. And he said, the contest is in PowerPoint. Microsoft Word, and Microsoft Excel. So spreadsheets, typing documents, those kind of things, you know. And the father says, go. And so they both go. And they're just going away at it. And so an hour goes by, and they're still going. Then all of a sudden, the power goes off just like that. And then it flips right back on. And the devil is cursing and screaming and upset. And, God, and he turns to God the Father and he says, How come your son isn't cursing and screaming and upset? And the Father says to him, Don't you know? Jesus saves. <laughs> That's another one for A.W. to steal. So, praise the Lord. Luke chapter, that's a, that's a real nerd joke. You can take that to the bank. Praise the Lord. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. I'll be reading out the New King James Version today. And it says, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you, and blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and considered what manner of greeting this was. And then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. And then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now we're going to skip to chapter 2, verse 8. 
And it reads, Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. And then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And so it was when the angel had gone away from them into heaven, that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. Then they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And now when they had seen him, they made widely known the sayings which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. Let's pray. Lord, we come to a familiar passage, yet it is an event that changed the entire world. So God, as we... As we look at your coming, Jesus, we ask that you would help us to tell the story. And not just a a story, Lord, for it is no fairy tale, but tell the event that can change a life today. And so, God, as as I speak today, I ask that if you can use a donkey, I ask that you would please use me. Lord, I may not be even as good as that donkey was but I ask that you use me anyway. Lord, I ask that you would open our hearts and our minds, that not that we would just receive something from this, but that we would receive your word with gladness and share it with joy. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. The strong Son of God in the church said, Amen. A person who is willing to serve and that is to serve God, will also experience the closeness of God. Number one, the willingness of Mary to serve God. That's the first point. Mary was willing. Uh, Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Now, I'm not sure about you, but if I were to come into a house or into a place or wherever, and there's a holy angel surrounded by the glory of God standing in front of me, I think I'd be in a little bit of awe and a lot of bit of fear and maybe a bit of stammering. But think about this amendment. Here, here's a young girl, and I say girl because that's what she was. She was a teenager. Uh, 
She was barely a teenager by our standards. She comes into, into the place and, and there's an angel. And the first thing he says is, Rejoice! Highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Now, I'm not a woman, obviously. Well, maybe it's not so obvious these days, but anyway. I would certainly uh, have been a, a little fearful. Um, what an experience. That would, just, that would just jar your world, wouldn't it? That would blow your mind, as we say today. But that isn't half of what it's about to transpire here, for he's got more to his message. In Luke one twenty nine, he says, But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying. I think that's, that's a little light on the translation there. But And considered what manner of greeting this was. And then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. You know, I looked up that word troubled in the Greek there. And the definition uh, doesn't really convey the emotion of this miraculous event. This is what they wrote. Troubled here is defined in the Greek as being acutely distressed. Yeah, I'd say so. It also is defined as mentally disturbed. That would, that would, that would take away my, uh, my, my mindset, I, I think. And basically, in today's vernacular, she was just freaked out. Okay? And, and so, yeah, troubled and disturbed goes there. She was freaked out. And then she was like, what is he talking about this greeting? They haven't even gotten that part. What do you mean by this greeting? What's going on here? Rather than going straight ahead with the message, uh, Gabriel, I think, noticed that the girl was in shock and, and just over uh, just him being there, much less what he was about to tell her. So he tries to comfort her and says, hey, don't be afraid. Yeah, that's like saying, hey, don't breathe. Uh, at least that's the way I see it. Think about that. If you say to me, don't be afraid, the first thing that hits my mind is, uh-oh, something big is about to happen. I'd say so with an angel standing there. Now, for me, when, when someone says that, it, it's kind of like, okay, now I am afraid. What's, gonna, what's happening? What's going on? Kind of like when someone says, are you sitting down? No, you might want to sit down for a minute. You're like, uh-oh. Something's about to be told me that's going to change my world. And then the rest of, of his sentence is, don't be afraid. You have found favor with God. Now, first of all, we're looking back and we know, uh, we know which way it's going. But to her, this could go either way. We know that any time in the Old Testament that an angel showed up, there was, a, that there was something big ahead. There was a big task about to happen. And it, it, it won't be easy, and it won't be pain-free. We know that the Israelites will be either happy or angry, depending on what the next thing is that God will have us do or say. And now either way, we're elated at the moment because an angel just appeared. An angel just said, you have found favor with God. Yeah, I'd be happy too. Oh good, you're not here to smite me. That's good. 
But now, here comes the absolute blow-your-mind part. In Luke chapter 1, verse 31, it says, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Now, how many of y'all know Mary isn't dumb? She knows how babies are made. So she's, she asks a very important and practical question. Here the angel has said, he's going to be this, he's going to be that, he's going to reign forever. And she asks the practical question. See, he's given her the big picture and she asks, okay, that's great, but um, verse 34, then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? That's a very practical question. You know, there's a lot of times I'll give my wife the big picture of what I'm looking at, and she goes, okay, great, how are we going to get there? I don't know, that's for you to figure out. You know. Uh, <laughs> virgin birth here is far from her mind. She, she's like every other person in Israel. They were looking for that political figure, a conquering king, to throw off Roman oppression. So she is thinking, you mean I'm going to conceive a child who's going to be the savior of my people? Well, that's great. Um, one problem, Gabriel. You see, um, I'm not married yet, and I have not known a man. That's a problem. So you point me in the right direction and speed up this marriage thing with Joseph and we'll get right on this promise of the Messiah thing, you know. But how many times does God do something uh, that makes sense to us? I can't, I can't, yeah, no. Um, no. When I look back over my life and, and I'll be celebrating 20 years of marriage this week on the 28th, um, well, praise the Lord. Thank you. Trust me, she's got plenty of crowns in heaven to cast at the feet of Jesus for having to put up with me. I don't know if I'd remember much about that point. <laughs> much about the beginning at that point. But praise the Lord. So, God never does anything that makes sense to us. And... Uh, so in her mind, she's probably thinking, you know, we need, to, we need to get on this. When I look back over my life, I, I look back and I think, you know, the way my life has unfolded would not be the way I would have chosen. You see, when you go to seminary or Bible college, or whatever you want to call it, um, they don't tell you you're going to go through some hard times. Oh, they tell you, but kind of tongue-in-cheek. Like, uh, no worries, you'll find out. Did you know that 84% of all Bible college and seminary graduates will be out of the ministry within five years and will never come back? 84%. That, and that, that, that was 10 years ago number. I think it's actually gone up. That's high. So when I look at my life and the way that God has ordered my steps, I see his hand in it. And I see where I was and where he brought me. Both in ministry and in marriage and in life. And I look at it and I go, Lord, this isn't the way that I would have chosen.
but you chose it. And thank you, Lord, even for the hard times. So there's a lot of things in our mind, and, and Mary's thinking the same thing. Okay, how are we going to do this thing? How quickly can we make it happen? But you see, the angel's not done yet. In verse 35, he answered, and the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. And now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. And then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. You know what's interesting here is how willing Mary was to serve God in whatever capacity she was given. She knows that, that in her day being pregnant without a husband, that's going to cause not just gossip, but it, it could cost her a lot. Especially if Joseph decided, as we discussed on Friday, not to take her as his wife. Her social standing would be completely ruined if she's not stoned to death first because she came up pregnant without being married. You see, she was betrothed to a man at this point. Legal things have already taken place. Perhaps some dowries already been exchanged, but promises have been made, and she broke her solemn word in the eyes of the people. And she could be treated as a woman caught in adultery and could have been stoned to death. Plus, without Joseph marrying her, who would believe in a virgin birth? Would you? No. You might think, okay, test tube baby, but a virgin birth? No. Thankfully, we know that Joseph, who said he was going to put her away quietly, was visited by an angel himself. Only his was in a dream, and he took her as his wife. Matthew chapter 1, verse 19 is where we find that story. And then it reads, Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And so all this was done, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with a child and bear a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. And then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded, and he took to him his wife and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. You see, despite all the social pressure that existed, despite the foolishness this event was to the world, virgin birth, are you kidding me? That's considered foolish. Mary was willing to trust God, as was Joseph. In that moment, her friends, family, upcoming nuptials didn't matter. It was whatever God wanted is what she was going to do. And she did it. She said, be it unto me. As you have said, 
When was the last time you said to God, God, not whatever I want, but whatever your will is, that, that's what I want to do. That's what I will do. Has it been a while? Jesus had this same moment with the Father when He prayed in the garden the night before His crucifixion where He sweated drops of blood knowing that not only would He die for something He didn't do, but that the actual sins of those in the entire world throughout time were about to be put on Him. He was about to become the sin offering so that we could be made and seen clean before the Father. My mind cannot wrap my head around what was spiritually going on in that moment. But we know what it did to him physically. Luke twenty-two thirty-nine says, Coming out, he went to the Mount of Olives as he was accustomed. And his disciples also followed him. And when he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw. And he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. He was in agony. And then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Have you ever said, knowing that it it might well cost you everything you have, maybe, maybe even your sanity, have you ever said to God, not what I want, Father, but whatever your will is. That is what I want to do. Help me to do it. If you have never come to the end of yourself and found Jesus standing there, ready to change you, if only you would but ask, then why not today? If a teenage girl can have her life radically altered by God, why not you today? The reality is, is that our God is a personal God. That's point number two. And a God that cares. Luke chapter 2 verse 1 says, And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place with Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were greatly afraid. And then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. 
And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And so it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste. That means quickly. And they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning the child. They made it known. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time here, but just a couple of things to notice. First, notice that our Savior didn't come from royalty or from the Sadducees, the ruling class or the religious class or the Pharisees. He came from the common man. He came for everyone, not just the elite. On the night of his birth, there were angels that appeared to the rich people, right? To the rulers, right? No, to the shepherds, the lowliest of the low, those that were just doing their jobs. This day started out as a day unlike any other for them. They would have been the last ones, according to the world's standards, that you would want to reveal a Savior to. They were the lowliest. They weren't the movers. They weren't the shakers of their society. They were what we would call nobodies. But the God we serve is concerned for the lowliest of the low. Not just the rich and the powerful. We're not just another number to God. We are individuals. We are personal. And God wants to have a personal relationship with each of us. He wants to change our personal worlds so that when God becomes real to us, we do what the shepherds did. Luke 2.20 says, Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told to them. Guess what, folks? They weren't quiet. They were praising God. The Greek here means, for praising, by the way, to speak of something that is unusually honorable. This was an unusual event, wouldn't you say? To glorify and praise is not to be quiet or timid about something, but to speak loudly and honorably about whatever it is. People aren't supposed to be quiet when it comes to a personal savior. If you're quiet, then I got to ask you a question. Have you lost your first love or were you saved to begin with? We're to be loud about the change that God has made inside of us. We're to be loud about the power that he demonstrates in making us new. You see, we were heading along, minding our own business, going our own sinful way, and Jesus came in and he, he turned the other way. He, he changed you. He made you walk a different path. You were made new. For all your problems for all what you would call mistakes, for all of our hypocrisies that still come up, that still plague us. 
You can say that I am a blood-bought child of God, past, present, and future, from now to forever. Romans 8, 1 and following, because of the babe in a manger became who we are. Oh, you may fall, you may fail, and you may not be completely there yet, but you see, according to the Scripture, you are not perfect, but He ain't done with you yet. That's not the end of the story. He's still cleaning you up. But the one thing you do know is Romans 8.1. It says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Is that you today? For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Has that happened for you? For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. On account of sin, He condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And then we know this in Philippians chapter 1 verse 6, it says, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. You know what that tells me? That tells me it ain't about me. It ain't about my goodness or my hypocrisy. It's about Jesus. He was sinless. And you know what he did? He freed the believer from sin. Why? Because this baby born in a manger, guess what? He lived a sinful, sinless life where we lived a sinful life. And he took upon the sins of the world so that you could be made right with God. So that I could be made right with God. He died in our place. We deserve to be in hell for all eternity. But Jesus doesn't want to see that. So he took upon the likeness of flesh to be that perfect sacrifice for our sin. The season isn't about some lowly baby in a manger. It's about God in the flesh freeing us from sin. That's what this season is about. It's about the sin sacrifice on the cross of the perfect one who can make us new. What will you do with him today? What will you do when the Father asks you when you stand before him and he says, what did you do when Brother Joe preached a message about my son? You see, you'd been religious. That's right. You've been religious. That's right. You've been religious, but have you been saved? Do you have that personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Does he know you? You say you know him, but does he know you? Or are you going to be one of the ones like in Matthew 7, 21, where they say, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not cast out devils in thy name? Have we not done many wonderful works in thy name? And Jesus responds and he says, I never knew you. Get away from me, you workers of iniquity. Folks, there are people all over churches 
Maybe, maybe even today it's Christmas and, and they forgot what Christmas is about and that's about Jesus and, and they're at home, you know, and they decided, well, I'm going to go to church anyway because it's Christmas and, and that's what I need to do and, and that's what, you know, my spouse wants me to do and, and that's what I should do. While everybody else is at home, maybe they're sitting in a church somewhere, maybe this church, and they're religious, but they don't know God. God calls those people twice dead, undone, naked and religious, but they don't know God. Let it never be said that salvation message was never preached in this church on a Christmas day. We celebrate not the baby, but what the baby did. Who the baby is. He is God in flesh. And he has the ability to make us new. Oh, folks, let me tell you a little story. I know of a woman, and I believe she's gone on to be with the Lord at this point. She'd gone to church her whole life. Her whole life. And the pastor said one day, come on tonight, we're going to teach you how to give your testimony. And you know what her testimony was? I went to church my whole life. Church ain't going to save you. He got up there and, and she had endured altar call after altar call after altar call. Not even realizing that she wasn't saved. And he got up there and he said, okay, real simple. We call them popcorn testimonies. What were you like before you got saved? What happened? What changed you? And how are you different now? She'd never had that experience. And at the end of that teaching, she came up to the pastor and she said, Pastor, I've been to church my whole life. Guess what? She was the treasurer of the church at that time. She said, I've served in multiple areas. I've sung in the choir. I've been the treasurer. But I don't have an experience with Jesus Christ. And he said, you can have one today. And he led her in a prayer. And she gave her life to Jesus that day. And now you would think nothing would really change because of how religious she was. But something changed on the inside of her. She experienced a joy she had never known. She said, I was dead, but now I am alive. <laughs> and I never knew. I knew what I was supposed to believe. I thought I believed it, but I never had that experience, and now I know I believe it. Because he's become personal to me. Maybe that's you, either by here live, recording, video, streaming, whatever. Maybe you've been in church your whole life. Maybe you haven't. But there is a personal Jesus who wants you to know him. Now let me tell you a little something about my testimony. I was in the third grade. 
I had been raised in a Baptist church. As a matter of fact, I was raised in the First Baptist Church of Paisley. Ironically, I now live back in Paisley, but that's another story. We went out to the Baptist camp over on 42. You know where it's at. You've all probably been there one time or another. And it was a, it was a summer camp. Here's something I found out later I didn't know. Every kid in the church was sponsored and paid for by the church to go except me. Because my mother wasn't a member of the church at the time. And you had to be a member. I didn't know that. She found the money somehow. She was very sick. She couldn't work anymore. Yet, the money was there. And she sent me. And on the last night of camp, a dude at a bonfire got up. And I say dude because I don't even know his name. I don't remember his face, but I remember what he said. He said, there's a personal God, a God who wants to talk to you, who wants to know you. And by the way, you're a sinner. That little lie you told will send you to hell. Because it was against God. It's not what you did, but who it's against. And God is bigger than the president. If I slap the president, guess what? I'm going to find myself in jail. If I slap Al, guess what? He's going to slap me back, but I'm not going to find myself in jail. You know what I mean? It's not what you do, but who it's against. And God's bigger than anybody. And then he said, but you can have your name in God's book. You can have your life changed. Do you want it? And all of a sudden it clicked with me. I'd heard it before, vacation Bible school. Yeah, I was a young kid, third grade, I know. But it clicked. And I said, Jesus, I need you. Help me. I didn't even know what else to pray. And Jesus came into my life that night. And he's never left. You see, I was one way. I could feel the difference. I knew the difference. We love to say we don't move by by, by sight, but by faith. But folks, when faith aligns with Jesus Christ, there is an event, a supernatural event that happens. And you need that event. That's called salvation. That's what the Christmas season is about. And after we sing the invitation hymn, the ladies will come. Anyway, we're doing communion at the end today because it was God's will, and I forgot to put it in the slideshow. So, um, so it was still God's will. There you go. You know, question is asked, who is communion for? What is it about? And the answer is very simple. It's not about being a member of a particular church or denomination. It's are you born again? 
by the Spirit of God? Are you born again by giving your life to Jesus Christ? But even so, we are given a warning as Christians. And we discussed this in our series in 1 Corinthians. If you haven't heard that, please go back and listen to some of that. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 27 says this, Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord, that we may not be condemned with the world. Let's take a moment and pray and get your heart right with Jesus. I don't think my mic was on, but it is now. And it says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Just 
In the same manner, he took the cup. After supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do, as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes again. Let's pray. Lord, as we leave this place today, we thank you and we praise you. We thank you, Lord, for the gift that you gave us on the cross and even the gift of communion that we can remember what you did, that we can proclaim what you did as a body of believers. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Before you leave, I just remembered Miss Vivian said she had something she wanted to do.